Welcome to Behind the Axle. This is a podcast that will take a look at what is going on in the world of wheelchair rugby. We will take a look at the topics and issues that are of concern to the players, coaches, staffs, referees, and classifiers of our league from coast to coast. We hope that you will join me, Mike Klinowski, Dave Mengen, and Hall of Famer Chris Cook as we discuss what is going on in our great sport today. Welcome to Behind the Axle. This is Mike Klinowski. I'm joined by Dave Mengen and Chris Cook. We've got our friend Tony Durham here today, and he is the founder of the Missouri Rugby Club. He started off by playing for the Sharp Edge out west, came back to the Midwest, and started the KC Revolution, and now he's uh, on his way to a great postseason for his team, but we want to know more about you, Tony, so we're going to ask you a whole bucket ton of questions and find out what makes you tick. Let's get it going. Welcome, Tony. Let's do it. Thank you. Welcome. Definitely excited to, to be on here, man. We're glad to have you. It's We've tried to get you on here before, but I think... This is uh, this is our lucky day, and we got you on here. So thank you so much for coming out. Absolutely, thanks for having me. So let's start off and uh, talk a little bit about you, like how you got started with rugby. Uh, take us through what what turned you on to the sport, how you got going, and what brought you to uh, this level of play. Yeah, so um, so actually, kind of a kind of a cool story. Uh, the first experience I ever had with uh, with wheelchair rugby was. Uh, was before I got hurt. I actually had a, I was uh, with some friends and we did, we rented a movie and one of them happened to uh, to pick out the movie Murderball. Uh, so I watched it and then uh, I was like, man, that looks pretty cool. And then uh, oddly enough, about a year later is when I had my uh, I had my car accident and then uh, I started to look into rugby uh, around Kansas City and there just uh, there just wasn't a lot of coordination of, of any adaptive sports around Kansas City at the time. And so uh, I kind of put sports off in the back of my mind and 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 was you know refocused on uh, on rehab and all that and ended up uh ended up getting a chance to to move out to san diego and revisited that that um that look at rugby and and found uh found the sharp team out there hooked up with those guys and uh, i fell in love ever since uh the first day i went to practice so, so out of all the teams in the u.s curie why did you pick the sharp edge uh, when I moved to uh, I moved to San Diego uh, to be with my my then wife. She was in the military, so um, moved out there, and they were they were the closest team. I just was um, was bored and and being at home, and I found uh, found the Sharp Edge and went to check them out. I had no, no idea who they were or, or who was involved, and I, I felt uh, really blessed to to find that team and then find the people that I found on that team. I think it was uh, just part of the part of the process of uh, of me finding what I needed to find at the time. Excellent. So, Tony, I have a question. So, you watched Murderball a year before you got injured? I did. I did. Wow. So, that's called foreshadowing. And I, I really feel like it was. So. Oh, my God. So, once you were actually in it and searching for a team, did you look back on that and go, what the hell? Why did that happen? Yeah, I, that was sort of like a legitimate question in my mind it's like how in the world did we pick a movie 
you know, of no relation to anybody. We didn't know what it was other than, other than it was the guys from Jackass, I think is why we picked it. Um, <laughs> we thought, oh, this has got to be good, you know. And, and it was, you know, it was obviously a great movie. Um, but, you know, thought, man, that, that looks pretty cool. And then the chairs look awesome. Like, that, that looks like a really cool game. Um, yeah, and then, like I said, about a year later, I, I was actually hurt enough and, and I felt like, said, hey, I think I like, I think I could probably play that game now. I should try to find out if, I, if there's any teams around. Hey, so. Tony, I was in that movie for three seconds. Do you remember me? <laughs> I don't. I don't. I've seen it 15 I was, times. I've I never seen it with a bullet, okay? Uh, That's so funny. I've seen, I've seen <laughs> Wilsey more than I've seen you, Cookie. <laughs> I, I used to burn that. I had a copy of that on my laptop, and I would burn it on a disc for people when I was on a plane who started talking to me, and I told them about what it was. And I would burn them a copy of the movie. I did it 50 times. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> okay, here, here's a little fact for you that's kind of ridiculous. That year, the best documentary in the Academy Award, uh, Murder Ball took second. What was the number one film? Anybody know? March of the Penguins. That's it. March Get out. Look at this guy. Okay, I was at a Goodwill store two days ago, and I saw March of the Penguins. And I put it behind a pillow. I didn't want anybody to buy it. I hear they're doing a second one. We, Whatever. We're getting off track here. How much can oh, they hilarious. So, All right. Go on, Tony. Good story. Tony, like when you were starting up, was there like a player or a coach that like you idolized that you thought was someone that you should be around and, and watch what they're doing and, and learn from them? Or was it just like too many people to choose? I mean, I think whenever, uh, like when you first went out there and first got introduced to some of the people, like, uh, and like I said, I mean, I'd seen the movie, so I kind of instantly recognized Andy and, and that, you know, he, if anybody, if I'm sure most of you know Andy's personality, like it, it's, uh, it can go one of two ways for a lot of people. Like you either really <laughs> like him or you probably don't like him. And, uh, wait, wait. Andy who? Andy Cohn. <laughs> oh, okay. And so, uh, so he he uh, struck it up with me, and, and I, you know, he was just a great guy for me. Like pers personality-wise, we, we clicked right away. Um, and then I, just really the whole team out there was was just awesome as far as you know for me being uh, pretty newly hurt and and still like like finding out about you know who you are and about spinal cord injury and. Just to to find a group of guys that you know cut loose and, and give you a crap, give you a hard time, and uh, and then pick you up when you needed it too. Like, they're just an entire team full of guys out there at the time that was uh, you know. Is Sam still playing where, when he started. Yeah, yeah. Same uh, same war was still out there, and uh, you know there were some um, probably lesser recognizable names, but you know guys like uh, like Greg Hasterock and uh, and Mark Brown were out there. Uh, and those are the guys, you know, I kind of latched onto because we were more the, you know, the practice team guys and stuff, and um, you know, really just hit it off, hit it off with them, and and they became, you know, my family and on the West Coast there. So, um, Wait, you know, did now, you tell Mark Brown a shout out? Love it. I did. I did. So <laughs> I fully expect to to get some, uh, I don't know, some drinks or something from him. Fantastic. So you got there a year after Riley Bat, huh? Yeah, poor replacement for Riley Bat, but um, but yeah, came, came right after uh, 
right after they won back-to-back -back national championships there with Riley. So nice timing. But so you still had the opportunity to learn from some guys who, who know the sport really well. Yeah, and so uh, you know at the time Troy was was pretty much running the team, uh, Troy McGurk, and uh, yeah, really, and I still carry on a, a very close relationship with Troy, and you know he was uh, instrumental in, in teaching me the game early and, and helping uh, kind of guide me along my path and show me show me the ropes of, of not only playing but you know I sat next to him for a lot of game a lot of games and uh, kind of learned a lot about how to to coach and manage from the sideline too, so you know can. Uh, can't not include Troy in in my path of uh, of wheelchair rugby. So, so if if you were to look back on things and you're going to give someone credit for for framing the work that you've done in KC and the type of coach you are, who gets who gets credit? Is it Troy? Is it like a combination of people? Yeah, it's a combination of a lot of people. I think uh, a few of the people that I just named, like uh, Andy, was really instrumental in, in like forming how I wanted to play, as far as you know, being being a smart rugby player first, and then letting the you know your skills and your function take over after that. But but having the the brain on the court and and playing the the chess game first, and then you know, and then the physical part of the game. But um, obviously, like I said, Troy is is a phenomenal coach and, a, and a, just a phenomenal person in the, in the game of rugby. And so it took a lot from him, not only on the court, but at, you know, on the coaching side is what I experienced more of him. And so, you know, learn how to, to manage guys and lineups and, uh, you know, handle the, the game time decisions and the, the end game stuff uh, came from, came from Troy. But um, a lot of the physical things and the, the gameplay that I do, uh, also runs from uh, guys like Dan Pauly was really um, a big factor in, in how I molded my game. And then uh, another guy that came along about a year after I uh, uh, after I moved to San Diego was uh, was Jeff Odom. Most people know him as Odie. And uh, I, I, I was just always so impressed with with the way he played. And so uh, you know I tried to uh, tried to mimic my game a little bit uh, from from Odie as well. Yeah, there's there's something about Odie. This this dude is just super passionate, like always always in the game, ready to ready to kill. But at the same time, just has this calm demeanor about him. Like we were with him in uh, Amsterdam this this summer, and just what he brings to the court is is awesome. So that's that's got to be a, a great influence on on your rugby career. That's uh, that's yeah. me kissing Jeff Odom's butt. So, Odie, Odie, I love him. Yeah, I'm glad he's uh, I'm glad he's getting healthy, and uh, actually, I'm I'm really excited that he's uh, becoming an addition to the to the Missouri Rugby Club this season. So, yeah. So, did you so, guys have the full squad out in? Did you yeah, uh, sorry, you were asking about full squad in uh, in Vegas. Yes. Yeah, so we did. We did have, uh, have our full squad. Uh, the only thing is, is uh, Odie is coming off a little bit of a, um, uh, of a some medical issues, so he was still. You know, we got to try to manage his minutes a little bit. But we, you know, we wanted to go out there and get get everybody on the court, uh, get them some playing time at a, at a higher level than most most of us have played at. So, um, so it, it was a really great experience. It really was. So. Yeah, you're really running with the big dogs there. I mean, there are some some top teams there that are going to be uh, crying for D1 championships. So, yeah, 
quite a it, test. It was, but... Definitely felt out outmatched on a lot of those games. But you know, we we also like I, like I've coached most of my guys around here um, because we are, for the most part, my team here in Kansas City has has always been, you know, me with a couple of years experience and and then a bunch of new guys. So you know, we've always been maybe a little bit outmatched or a little bit. Uh, wide-eyed going in for some tournaments so I, I like going to better tournaments and seeing how the game's supposed to be played and and having your team experience that as well and then kind of put kind of put the guys to the fire and, and figure out against people that, that uh, are better than you so Tony here's my introduction to you so we were supposed to host the semifinals on the west coast but we lost our gym and in very short notice this guy in Kansas City says, oh, yeah, yeah, we can host. I'm like, wow, nice. Who is this guy? And so the next thing, we go to Kansas City, and you guys are a number seven seed. And I don't know what we were, but we were, well, the bottom line is we lost two or three players to either illness or apathy or something. And we showed up with like six players. And you guys had four players. You went Iron Man the whole weekend, and we did. And I was like, "Okay, these guys are something special." And then you won the MVP, and in my mind, I voted for you. And in my mind, I'm thinking, "He's not just the MVP on the court. This guy's the MVP off the court. He put this tournament together with about three weeks' notice." And that was my intro to you. So, you know, mad props. I mean, you got it done, and you guys uh, were, I think, one game from Nationals, correct? We were, yeah. We were one game from, uh, from uh, well, we did qualify that, that season. But, but yeah, we, we could have uh, very easily won sectionals uh, had we maybe not Iron Man the entire weekend. But, <laughs> yeah, I felt like we were this year? had no choice, right? You only had four players. Uh, we have a we have a bench, um, but like I said, it's um, it's kind of one of those things where the the numbers don't line up, or the the drop off from from one player to the next is just uh, it. We just don't have the chemistry uh, to line up uh, much more than that to stay competitive where we needed to last year. Um, but and our guys are developing all the time, so uh, I'm excited to see where where we continue to go this year. So what I'm curious about is all I've all I've known of your team is over the last few years we've uh, Chicago has played you guys and we've always gone Iron Man against each other Iron Man Iron Man. What is so different about this year where you guys are able to like like rotate lineups? Like is it is it exciting to to change your lineups to have different minds out there? I mean you've got some Paralympians on your squad. Um, and you've got to manage those folks' minutes and and try and get people to work together. What's it been like? Yeah, so this year was kind of um, – it was actually like a struggle to put together. It was something I, I've envisioned for a long time um, to try to grab, uh, you know, some of the – some of the USA experience from, from St. Louis, which is a, a close city to us. We're about three and a half to four hours away, depending on where most guys are at. Um you know, I know that they've had a program around. I actually, when I started to move back towards Kansas City, I thought about uh, maybe just rostering with them instead of starting my own team. But you know, I really wanted to try to get something developed around here. And so, you know, the sooner the better for that for me. I didn't really want to wait around too much longer. Um, and so, 
you know, I, I'm, I'm friends with, uh, with Clayton and uh, I knew Chuck a little bit, but, uh, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to bring those guys on board for several years and it just had, you know, hasn't worked out for one reason or another, but, uh, with the way this year worked out with, um, you know, some of the structure changes with the rules and, uh, just where our lineups were going to be headed. You know, I, I brought the idea up to my team about, you know, merging together, making one large group and, um, you know, we'll be sending, you know, stronger players to stronger tournaments. And then um, some tournaments will we'll have a little mix of everybody. And then some tournaments we can pull, uh, you know, some lower, you know, like D3 level tournaments and, and put some of the new guys out there to where they can get you know, some significant time. So um, it was, it's a great idea on paper, a little harder to, uh, to manage that uh, in the real world. And there's, you know, some guys that are going to be, uh, you know, upset with thinking that they're going to lose minutes. Cause like I said, we ran, uh, Iron Man the year before, and you know the one or two guys that were competing for that last that last position spot were, um, you know, to be quite honest, they, like they were upset about possibly losing out minutes to, you know, to a USA player in Chuck or to a you know a USA player in Clayton. So, you know, there were some uh, there were some things we had to deal with uh, with there. But once we uh, once we got it on, and, and those guys have trusted me since we started the. The program and, and they they trusted me again this year and once we got a chance to, to take the take the court with with some different tournaments and they got to you know play alongside some of those guys and realize you know we don't have to run Ironman anymore like we can run some different lineups and we can get everybody on the court and you can learn uh you can learn a lot from from taking different lineups and and running with them so it, it's been a really good thing and I think everybody's on board now so that's hey awesome. Tony, welcome to the political world. <laughs> I know, right? Is Sue Tucker your your head coach? Yes, she is. Yeah, and um, well, I've, I've known Sue a little bit, but really, Vegas was my first uh, experience getting to uh, to play underneath Sue. And I, I got to tell you, she's she's one uh, one smart cookie. So I really enjoyed uh, really enjoyed playing under, and she took a a big burden off of my shoulders of trying to be that that player coach role. So. Hey Tony, don't be a but we tried to get her on before you, and she wasn't available. Wasn't available, huh? <laughs> well, we definitely want to get Sue on at some point. Absolutely. No, man, you guys have put together a program, and that's, I think, the onus is on you, and that that's amazing because it's not easy. It's not easy to put together, you know, personalities and teams and coaches and so forth keep everybody happy it's just not easy yeah it's definitely it's definitely not and if uh if i had to do it all myself um i, I wouldn't be able to do it to be quite honest i've, I've got a a great team of uh, of not only players but our staff here is phenomenal i've got i've got a couple of people um here that help me out with literally everything that goes along with this uh with this program uh one of those being aaron brown who is the first person i contacted uh when i wanted to start a team she was an ot at uh, one of the rehab facilities here that that i used to go when i was doing outpatient rehab here and uh kind of made a friendship with her when, whenever i was doing that and and when i came back to kansas city i reached out to her and said hey i want to start a rugby team and um, without hesitation she said she was all in whatever i needed and it's been that way for me since uh it's incredible to like find people like that who are so dedicated. Like there, there are people around the league, and I would throw out like um, 
your your equipment manager is one of those guys that is is all in. Yes, his son plays for the team, but like his level of commitment is is huge. And you've you've found just the right people to be around you, and you've brought in all these people that want to play and and look up to you and listen to you and. That's why you have such a great program. So I, I look back and I'm impressed. Thank you, thank you. I'm I'm, uh, I'm just overly uh, overly excited about how how well the program was able to develop and how quickly uh, you know we were able to not only get enough you know just enough guys to play, but get enough guys together that that you know bought into each other and they put their egos aside. And I mean, they don't. We don't have any arguments. We don't have any you know anybody that really throw any problems into the mix like they all just uh, do what they need to do and they're all on board for doing whatever the program needs and um it, it's just been a, a real blessing and, and just it, it's it makes rugby fun to be quite honest i mean that's I, I think that's why we all do it and if it wasn't fun i probably wouldn't go through all the work to <laughs> to the team together but um, you know with the group of guys we've got you know staff and players it's 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 a fun, uh, it's a fun program to be a part of. That's for sure. Yeah. Hey Tony, so Chuck Melton, Team USA, done all of that, and I'm just going to assume he's kind of a coach on the floor. He's been around. He knows what's up. And having him in the mix, how's that helped you and the rest of the team? I think it's uh, ch- having Chuck on the on the court is is one thing. I mean. I think most everybody's probably seen him play at this point and knows what he's capable of, of doing as, as a rugby player. Um, and he's definitely, you know, he's another one of those guys that has a really calm demeanor. Um, you know, he, he can tell you when you're screwing up, but, he, you know, he's not going to jump down your throat, you know, like I do some <laughs> to <laughs> my guys. But, um, you know, it's it's really nice to play alongside Chuck and then, Another thing is just really fun to watch him uh, mentor the guys on the sideline that play not only similar roles to him, but also you know all the positions on the court. Uh, you know he's able to give insight to and um, help guide and direct those guys. So I think that's been a, a really cool aspect to what you know, what we're able to do by merging the teams is is bring in some of that experience and some of the some of the names that people recognize um, you know from the USA rosters and and they get to say that they played alongside those guys now. So the other question is you guys want D one, you want to get in that mix or you want to be the top of D two? What do you want? Uh, I think we, uh, we've discussed, you know, our kind of our goals for the season. It's, uh, it's really just to finish as, as best as we can, no matter where that is, um, you know, play our best rugby and, and develop not only, the elite guys and and the ones that you know want to make a USA team or or you know guys like Chuck and Clayton that are you know trying to stay on that that team USA bubble, but uh you know it's it's one of those things where we just want to do as best we can. That means that we finish you know middle of the pack or you know somewhere in D1. I think that's great if, if we can finish you know at the top of D2 and win a D2 championship. I mean that's. It's always fun to take home a, a trophy at the end of the season too. So, um, but it's it's more about developing as as a program and and continuing to grow and, and finish a little better each year. So, so right folks on. that watch the Texas Hold'em, you guys may have 
figured some things out by the third time he played U of A. Um, it was a much closer game. What was different about that game, and what do you think your team learned from it? <laughs> I wish uh, I wish we could say it was all uh, uh, all on us uh, figuring out uh, figuring out something that worked against U of A, but uh, I, I'd say. To be quite honest, the biggest factor was they didn't have Josh Wheeler on Sunday, so I think that makes a difference in anybody's lineup. That does make um, a difference. Um, but they were the U of A was great about uh, not only you know they didn't have Josh on Sunday, but they they ran a lot of different lineups and they they used a lot of their bench guys and, and made sure to get them minutes, uh, ran some different lines uh, to keep the games close and competitive, and um, and that was you know my hats off to the, to that program as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think as a team, I think we started to, that was really our first, our first chance to really get to even practice together with, uh, with our full squad. And so, you know, from the first game to the last game, I think we realized, you know, some of the lines that were going to work, some of the lines that weren't going to work, um, you know, we've started to get some of that chemistry built up as, as a team and, um, you know, figuring out how we need to, how we need to, to manage our, uh, our games. So let me shift gears here a little bit. Um, I don't know if anybody, how many people know about this, but I know you had the opportunity because I was with you to uh, go to Costa Rica this summer. So, you want to talk about that experience and uh, uh, you know, helping start up a program and, and uh, playing around with uh, Argentina. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to talk about that. That's uh, probably one of the, uh, probably one of the coolest experiences I've gotten to, uh, gotten to do with uh, rugby and uh, Dave I appreciate you um, shooting me the invite on that you know, it's something I've <clears throat> I've kind of wanted to do I've, I've um, looked into it a couple times I've had a couple offers here and there to, to do you know some outside the country play and you know for one reason or another mostly you know family uh, commitments from from the past and stuff I, I haven't been able to work that out so yeah uh, it worked out this time and I got a chance to, to go and uh, it's it's really it's a humbling experience to to go to a place like that and see you know just just what their program is is able to do with the resources that they have and you know they're they're getting players and and trying to do trying to do what all of us are doing and and get you know get athletes involved and and get a program started so it was fun to, to be able to share my experience with uh, with what I do here in Kansas City to, and bring that to, to Costa Rica and, and then learn a little bit from the teams that were there too with the uh, you know with the Argentina. So well, I know they certainly appreciated it. And you know, is it the trip like this, especially when you're going someplace where their economic means aren't what they are here in the United States, um, you have to be really flexible. Uh, I know that Brazil was supposed to go, and they didn't end up making it, so it ended up being, uh, you know, originally this wasn't supposed to be a tournament we were going to participate in. Um, but when Colombia had to back out because they couldn't get visas, and uh, Brazil backed out because they didn't have the money, uh, it ended up, you know, we, we put together this team very quickly in order to go down there and help those guys out, and I think it really made a difference just for them to to see us competing with Argentina and uh, the things that those guys learned from us, the, you know, their initial players and stuff and be able to bring them a chair. I think uh, the 
reception that we got was amazing, and uh, well, the feedback I've gotten has been great. Yeah. So, thanks, thanks for doing that. Yeah, absolutely. That, I mean, that's a, that's a memory I'll hold for for as long as I can, uh, as long as I can keep it. That was that was a pretty awesome experience. So. Hopefully, we'll have another opportunity. Absolutely. If I do, though, I got to learn some Spanish before I go to any of those countries. So. It's so hard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the language barrier is tough. I mean, uh, I think it's tough trying to teach guys, uh, you know, new guys, this, this sport. It's hard enough to to teach them what they need to learn uh, when you speak the same language. It's even harder when, you know, when you can't communicate the same way that you want to. So uh, let's talk about super teams because you guys have a a really big team, uh, lots of depth, uh, lots of talent, and another team that has joined forces is, and I, I wouldn't necessarily call this a super team, but it's a very good team. Uh, Milwaukee and uh, Minnesota put their teams together. Um, do you think this is a trend? Do you think this is something that more teams are going to do when they realize that competition is that much stiffer out there? Or do you think it's something that, you know, is a short-lived fad and will, you know, maybe dissipate in the next few years? So I think my views on it, I think it's something that uh, I know for us, like I don't think it, Kansas City program or St. Louis program sees it as a, a permanent fixture. Um, but for for the two of our programs specifically, like in the last couple of years, we've been, you know, like last year, I think we were ranked 17th and 18th in the country, respectively, for most of the season. And the last two seasons, one of us has made it to nationals, one of us hasn't. Um, so it was kind of one of those things for us, like, you know, if we wanted to get better and ensure a spot, uh, we kind of, we were going to have to bring some people in and it just made sense to, to reach out to St. Louis first, um, for one, the lineups work and, um, and then that, that's just a really good program to, to join forces with. So for us, it's, it, it was a building a super team so that we're a little bit more competitive and we have a good team. And we can develop, you know, not only the top end players, but and the and the mid tier players, and then our our new players. But you know, it's more just being able to develop our programs as a whole uh, over the next you know season or maybe two seasons, and, and see where things are at. Um, so I think, you know, as as the league does get more competitive and the transfer rules, you know, continue to change, and and guys are able to play. Uh, in different cities and with different people um, a little more freely than it has been in the past. You might see some combinations of, of teams just just to make, uh, you know, to make yourself a little bit more competitive and sure you're, ensure you're making it where you want to make it by the end of the year. Um, but I think, you know, combining and helping your program grow in your city and then hopefully that will bring in more people locally and then you can, you know, spur back off and be an independent um, team again and I hope that's what I hope that's what we see is that it, it helps to grow more teams ultimately uh, even though from year to year it may be you know a couple teams combining here or there but you know hopefully in the grand scheme of things it helps to grow um, the individual cities and then our league as a whole like I look at Milwaukee and Minnesota and I think that it was mutually beneficial for them too and that Milwaukee needed some help with their program to get rolling and Minnesota really needs personnel so that they could make their lines work, um, and they're more than happy to help them with a lobby. But do you see that as a different 
animal than like Tampa and Texas both took advantage of the new um, quote unquote free agent rule uh, more than any other team did. There were certainly a lot of players though that um, moved around under that. How do you how do you feel that's affecting the league in general? Yes, it's a I have a little bit of mixed feelings on that. I mean, I think as most people probably do, and I love to see I love to see the quality of product that we put out there on film um, to be the best that it can be. So, you know, watching these guys come together and, and play, I mean, we watched some of these teams in Vegas, and, I mean, it's phenomenal what uh, what those athletes can do at the, at the top level. So on that aspect, I'm really excited to see, you know, the best rugby that you'll probably see, you know, anywhere in the world can be seen right here at some of these tournaments with, with these guys. And that's, that's a really cool thing. Um, but, you know, it, it does, uh, coming from, you know, a lower-level team, uh, you know, with, with starting up here in Kansas City, I've gotten to experience some of the some of the D three and D you know lower end D two teams by you know playing in their tournaments and stuff. It's hard to watch, you know, because they'll come up with a you know they'll come up with a good athlete and you know they're they're not able to keep them and it, it's it's really of no fault of, of the program that is losing the player. It's really no fault of the program that's uh, that's gaining the player and it's. It's no fault of the players either. It's just, uh, you know, I think everybody's got to do what's what's best for them and to reach their own personal goals. And sometimes that means you got to go, you know, play at a higher level. And so it's unfortunate for the for the lower teams. Um, but I don't I don't know that there's a way to uh, to make everybody happy with that. I, I think there's always going to be uh, some benefit. There's always going to be some some negative some downside to it too. So well, as long as the rule allows it, you know, it's it's a it's a viable option for anybody who's interested in, you know, whether the, the original intent of the rule, which was to allow a player to who couldn't survive where they were to have an opportunity someplace else rather than lose them from the sport. Yeah. But I think the, you know, the discussion at the AGM turned to, well, why would some people be able to do this and not others, which is a, is a justifiable argument. So... Yeah, this is, this is an opportunity. People are taking advantage of it. Quite a few people took advantage of it. And I don't yeah, know it's going to be. I will say, like, we're, you know, we've got a we've got a little bit of experience on, on both ends of that. I'll just tell you a little story about one of the players here in Kansas City. Uh, I don't know if, if you know the rugby world knows him. Some of you guys might, but uh, my low pointer, my uh, my really good low here in Kansas City is uh, is Brad Hudspeth. And uh, I got a call from uh, from Jason Rieger, who was who I used to play with in Sharp, and he asked me if uh, if he could take Brad for, uh, you know, for at least a season, maybe more, as they were down some low pointers, and you know they're making a push for a for a national championship this year, and uh, you know I had to talk to Brad, and Brad had expressed some interest in, in playing at that at that next level and and upping his game up, and I told all these guys from the start, you know, it's set your goals and as an individual and you know we'll reach what we need to reach as a team but you know if you've got goals as an individual player you know i'm going to do everything i can to help you to help you reach those and and our program in general will do whatever we can so you know i, I was fully on board with brad going to denver and and uh you know being able to experience uh, a different level of rugby and hopefully uh, elevate his game to where you know he can reach his goals so i think you know, as programs and as teammates, 
I think that's the biggest thing is, is just be supportive of each, of each other as athletes and, um, you know, the rest will kind of fall into play. So. One, one, it really is a great opportunity for Brad. It so really is. My, it was really my, fun to watch in Vegas. So. Hey, Mike and Dave, you're on the board. How many, uh, how many people actually did take advantage of the free agency rule? Let me pull it up real quick. I think we were around, like, 15. Was it that few? Oh, there were a lot of team merges. Those don't really count, right? Yeah. I mean, because those guys were all within 150 miles of each other or, or the closest team other than their own team. So I don't see those as the same thing. Uh, so free agency, we had 12 players total. Yeah. Yeah, that's Everybody that tried to do it, but their coach wouldn't let him go? Uh, there was one. There was one instance where a player was not able to transfer. So 12 out of 13 who tried. Yeah. I would expect that might go up, don't you think? Well, I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens after, after a year. Um, I think the interesting for, thing for me is that what does it do for a player that actually wants to develop? Like someone who comes and plays a weekend at a tournament um, and then goes right back home but doesn't, you know, either practice with practice a team because the uh, maybe there's bad blood or maybe because they don't want to or whatever, like, how is that player developing if they're only getting, you know, five games to play with a team and then scurrying back to where they live? So I see that as being a flaw. Like, I'm I'm sure that Brad is, is really smart and he's going to pick up on a lot of things and his game is going to elevate because he's just that kind of a player. Um, but I wonder if, like... If he did move to Denver, if he would have even a better experience than just those coming in for the weekend sort of deals. Uh, I'm just looking at the, the list of people right here, and I wonder how it's going to turn out for them. And I wonder if that's going to affect what happens next year. If people are like, eh, it, it didn't do much for me, or wow that really elevated my game that made me much more visible to USA. I'm getting somewhere. Thank goodness for this rule. You know, I, I think we're going to find out. Well, that's but... different for different people, right? I mean, you, if you've got a guy who's single and not tied to a job, the idea that he could move is a lot easier. If you've got someone who is married and has a career and has children they're yeah. not going to move to some other place in order to play. So Bob exactly. probably would get a lot more from being able to go to practice every week. Um, you know, that that opportunity doesn't exist for everybody in the league. And I think that's one of the things that are being considered here. But to your point of, of this growing, I see many more next year. And I think that's only because like I had several people ask too late and I think there are a bunch of people who didn't realize that this was an option because they weren't paying attention to what was done at the AGM last year. You know, the people that were there, they went out and grabbed people if they were interested in it or they took advantage of their opportunity because they knew about it. But I think now that uh, it's 
the knowledge is more widespread, we're going to see more of that next season. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think the uh, the rule kind of snuck in on a lot of people, uh, and I don't know that everybody understood how it was uh, intended to work. So it was definitely so, uh, an interesting. It, it, it changed a lot. Yeah. Changed so from, the from at least what it was written in the your packet when you read through it and decided how to vote on it. So the follow-up question is, does this lend to more super teams and make the growth of and the amount of teams that are valid or viable uh, less, or does it really lend to making a much stronger D1 and D2 and everybody else is in their way? Does the advent of the free agency rule really lend to making the league stronger at the top end, like in D1 and perhaps D2, and leave the rest of the teams in the wake because those players that aren't playing, et cetera, they want out and they want an opportunity to play at the next level. Yes, I mean, ultimately, I, I don't think you can answer that any other way than yes. I mean, it's going to make um, – everybody's going to want to be on the, the best teams and, and make it to nationals. And so, you know, if you are a player that's on a, on a weaker team that doesn't um, – you know, doesn't have a good outlook as far as making nationals, then, you know, I think as an individual, you, you probably should be looking to go somewhere else um, that you, that you can make an impact and you can get um, to the level that you want to get at. Um, but hopefully, you know, those players and, and those cities are, are not being forgotten. Hopefully, you know, hopefully you're able to, uh, to, to, if you do go somewhere that you take that knowledge that you gain and, uh, you bring it back to your hometown uh, club and, you know, you continue to practice with them as well as doing what you need to do in, in another, uh, on another team. And you're bringing, bringing back some of that information and sharing some of the, you know, the secrets of the game and, and helping to, to continue to build your program so that you do have a competitive team in your, in your home state um, or wherever you want to be at. So, but yeah, I mean, ultimately it's, it's kind of a, uh, it's probably going to make a, a division in the league because it's what I see. It'll probably strengthen the top and, and weaken the bottom a little bit. But I don't know how you get around that. I mean, I, I don't know if that's necessarily better or worse for the league than having um, a bunch of teams around the same level. You know, if that's if that's better or worse for the league than than having some really good teams and some uh, some more grassroots programs. More on a you know, kind of a lighter. Do you have a Tony a, like a favorite early memory of, of something during play, or maybe being on the bench that really stands out as like one of your favorite moments? I think my favorite moment was um, I think it was my it was my third season there. Uh, they were they were running. With a pretty strong lineup, that, well, we thought going into the year they were going to have uh, going to have Odie and and Andy healthy and and a and a pretty strong supporting cast. Uh, I think Lee, Lee Mercado had come over from uh, from Northridge that season, so you know it was looking like a really promising lineup. And right before Best of the West, I think Andy had uh, broke his hand or something uh, in, in practice, and so he was pretty much going to be done for the for the year. Um, so it really kind of altered the program, you know, what we were looking at as far as where we were going to finish. 
Um, but it also like that opened up the door for, um, for me to grab a few minutes here and there and it started to, uh, you know, starting at best of the West, I got to play a little bit more and, um, was able to make some contributions throughout the season. And then that culminated with, uh, winning a D2 championship in a, in a pretty wild, uh, bleep double overtime game against here. Um, and I was able to come in off the bench and, you know, make some, make some defensive stops and get, get a couple turnovers and kind of spark the team when we needed it. And, um, so that was, that was probably my favorite memory uh, for my playing experience. And then, uh, I would say the other, uh, the other big crowning moment for us was when I, uh, with Kansas city here is when last, last season, when we earned our spot at nationals, instead of kind of, we fell into it. The first one with, uh, our first nationals when, when Lakeshore had to back out, um, when we were the fifth seeded team and we got bumped up to fourth. So kind of caught a lucky break to make it to nationals that season. But, I really feel like we like we earned our spot and and beat some teams that were ahead of us in the rankings. So uh, I think that's those two memories for me are something I feel like most accomplished about and and, uh, and most proud of. What about at the opposite end? Do you have that one moment that you wish you could go back and and do differently, like a mistake that you made or a play that you wish you could do over again? Ah, uh, man. There, I mean, there's there's obviously you know you run through a handful of different, uh, different mistakes and stuff. But I really, I have always tried to move on pretty quickly from, uh, from those mistakes on the court and stuff. So, and I've made plenty of them, so, uh, you know, no reason to dwell on them. But, uh, I think probably my biggest, my biggest regret in rugby is, you know, early on in my career when I was first getting started and stuff. And uh, I had that, that, coaching aspect of, of Troy and having you know, Andy on the court and you know they both told me that I really you know should try um try to see where I could you know where I could go with my with my training and and maybe have a shot to make USA and you know at the time I kind of needed to make some some family decisions and I I made a decision not to not to try to to take it that far and just be more of a, a rec, recreational player and I did that for several years and, and then, you know, moved to Kansas City and I thought I'll just start a kind of a rec team here and, um, you know, lo and behold, now we're, we're a pretty darn competitive team. We're, we've got a, a good solid group of players and now I kind of regret that I didn't, um, you know, I didn't put more work into it in the beginning because, you know, I would have liked to have seen that as an individual goal for me. Uh, have, you, have you closed that door? Do you feel like you're, that's not on your list of things you'd like to do? Um, I mean, I don't, I don't know that I've necessarily like, I, I would obviously accept an invitation, uh, to, to try out. And I, I don't know if I really see myself realistically making, um, making that team. I, I mean, I think I'm a, I'm a pretty smart player and a pretty good player, but you know, I, I see, uh, you know, I see some guys in front of me that are, that are pretty good too. And, uh, and then, you know, it's, it's different. Like you've talked about with, uh, not being able to travel when you got, you know, kids and, and a family and, and work commitments and stuff. And, you know, I'm a single dad with a, with a full-time job. So it's, it's, uh, it's something I would have to seriously, uh, I would seriously consider if I got the MDI, but I don't know that, um, you know, it would necessarily work out for my plans right now either. So. Hey, Tony. I yes, sir. Or I would babysit. Go for it. <laughs> Well, I, That's right. Your kids I, would probably love my kids. 
I definitely could. I, I've got a uh, incredible family here that would do uh, anything imaginable I ever needed. Uh, they've always been supportive of my, uh, my rugby endeavors, and you'll probably see my mom and dad at almost every tournament I play in. So, uh, so I, I would definitely have the help, and and I appreciate everything they've done for me to to get where I'm at today. But, but yeah, I, I think. Um, it is a huge commitment to be the best athlete you can be, and and that's just the about the most highest recognition you can get is to to play for Team USA. So, the thing is, windows don't stay open long, and when they close, they close. They do, they do. I feel old, so. <laughs> yeah, um, you're talking to some old players right now. So, so right. let's let's wrap up with one final question for you because we've got. A big year that's right around the corner for us, 2020. Everyone's been talking about Tokyo for like the last several years. And, you know, last time we went uh, double overtime against the Aussies and and just came up short. One of the best games I've ever seen. Um, like Great I'm, tournament in general, yeah. right? Yeah, wasn't, wasn't that the – it wasn't Worlds. This was when they did the last second toss from Wheeler – Against yeah, Japan, in, yeah, that was in uh, Brazil. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it was yeah, hell of a tournament and great game to finish up. So, Tony, you get to be the first guest we ask. Who's going to bring it all home in two thousand twenty? Man, that's a that's such a tough call. There's you will, a you will lose friends over this if you guess wrong. <laughs> well, I'll just uh, I'll start. With, I think. I think there's some phenomenal developing uh, countries there with uh, with the strength of Japan and, and GB. Uh, you know, Canada is always tough, but I mean, if you bet against our boys in blue here and in, in the USA, I, I think you're a fool. So I'll give those guys the the opportunity. Hopefully, they they got a really uh, really experienced team, and I, I know a lot of those guys are maybe thinking about uh, hanging it up afterwards. So I think they're going to give it their all, and and uh, I think they're going to make us all proud and, and bring it home. So. That was the perfect oh, answer. Sorry. Who's gonna hang it up? What do you know? Oh, I mean, I don't, I don't know anything. Um, I mean, you guys know that, but <laughs> your rumors. I know nothing. I'm counting on you. No, no, I, I never tell. So. Tony, you were awesome. Thanks for coming on, brother. Oh, yeah, it was my you. pleasure. Uh, it was really glad to to finally get an opportunity to do it like i said we've been uh been trying to get on here a couple times and it hasn't worked out so i really appreciate you uh continuing to ask and get me on here and let me talk about uh about kansas city a little bit and some of the guys we've got here and and what we're doing so appreciate it thank you so much tony yeah good luck this year with missouri thank you thank you i'm excited we're uh we're gonna do our best <laughs>